Hey there, welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Thursday, November 17th, 2022. It's the Shots and Tanier Show. I am Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined as always by Mike Tanier, our senior staff writer. He's got the Bells seasoning. Okay, there's a reference there that I'm not getting. Thanksgiving is coming. Thanksgiving is coming. There's no show next week, so... I've got my I got my Bell's poultry season ready. My turkey is purchased. It is it is in the refrigerator. We are we have two turkeys this year. Oh no! My girlfriend wanted to have one turkey cooked ahead of time and another one to bring out and actually carve. Like one will already be carved and the other one will be like ceremonially carved. That is really extreme. We are going to be eating so much turkey for like a month and a half. It's going to be really ridiculous. How many people do you have? Like fifteen. We should live stream instead of having the show. We should live stream the carving of this turkey. If two turkeys are involved in it, this is like some Food Network level thing here. When, my, when my girlfriend wants to entertain, she really wants to like do it up. Okay. Do you have to carve this turkey? No, I think she's doing it. Okay. I don't so, think I'm the man with the knife. It's, okay, so it's not, and it's not going to be some sort of like Benihana level thing where the. No, we're not going to be throwing the utensils in the air and all that. No, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So two turkeys. Two turkeys. Well, you know what? I'll reach, I'll give you some of this because you need you need it more than me, my friend. Here you go. There you go. Bell season. Uh, so yeah. So let's talk about week eleven and then week twelve. There won't be a show next Thursday because of Thanksgiving, but we can talk about week eleven. And let's start off with the most important game for playoff odds by far which is Jets at Patriots. Jets make the playoffs in 90% of Sims where they win and 60% where they lose. Patriots make it in 60% if they win, 26% if they lose, which makes sense because the Jets are one game ahead of the Patriots. Right. If the Patriots beat the Jets, they'll have the same record and basically the same odds of making the playoffs uh, in the AFC, which is right now is sort of nine teams for seven spots. Right, they'd have the sweep tiebreaker too. If the if the uh, if, if the, the Patriots win this game, they will have the tiebreaker over the Jets because they will have swept them. Yeah, right. And um, this one is, you know, I realized that the Patriots beat the Jets three weeks ago, mm-hmm. but I'm still feel like the line in this game is a little off. It's three and a half points for the Patriots, and I feel there's just this sort of general. Belichick can beat the Jets feeling, but this year's Jets are not the Jets of the past. And yet they were the Jets of the past three weeks ago when Belichick made Zach Wilson look foolish. Yeah, well, their defense wasn't. Their defense still looked good against the Patriots three weeks ago. The the Patriots won that game. They allowed 355 yards in that game. They won it with interceptions, Mm -hmm. special teams, Mm -hmm. and the penalty that canceled a pick six. But that's kind of how the Patriots win, and that's how they beat the Jets, you know, and other teams like that this year. I mean, the penalty is one thing. But, yeah, it's special teams and defense and turnovers because Wilson looks bad, but Mac Jones looked very bad in that game as well. Yeah. So here is some fun stats. I looked up ESPN QBR. Okay. QBR when not pressured. Okay. Zach Wilson, 83.5, which is third in the league. Behind okay. Tua and Mahomes, oh, Mac yeah. Jones sixty three point nine, which is fifteenth. Okay. Okay. 
QBR when pressured. Oh my God, our guest is here. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey. a little bit better late than never. Hi, Ari. Yeah. How are yeah. you? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry. Uh, my, my previous podcast went, like the internet just cut out for like 20 minutes in the middle of it. So we went a little bit long. Oh my God. It's good to um, see. You. I, I was I was ripping you, man. I was so mad. I bet. Yeah, so I deserve it. I deserve it. How many turkeys oh. are you going to have at your Thanksgiving? Oh, zero. Of course, zero. Absolutely none. Okay. Yeah. No, I have an extra turkey for you if you'd like it. <laughs> no, no, I, I insist. You keep it. <laughs> um, so Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network is our guest who we thought uh, had had technical issues or whatever and was not joining us. So we'll, we'll, we'll finish talking Jets and Patriots, and then we'll get to the reason we had Arif on, which was to talk about the 8-1 and one Vikings. But just to finish... What I was saying about the Jets and Patriots, here's ESPN's QBR when the quarterbacks are pressured. Mac Jones, two. Really? That's out of 100. Two out of 100. Second? That ranks oh, no. next to last in the league. Oh, okay. I thought you meant second overall. I'm like, yeah. No, I mean two. Like, <laughs> the rating is two. <laughs> okay. 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 Who's last in the league? Zach Wilson, one. That's a one out of a hundred when pressured. Zach Wilson, one out of a hundred when pressured. And who has the highest pressure rate in the league, according to Pro Football Reference? The Patriots. And who has the fourth highest pressure rate? The Jets. So both of these guys are going to be running for their lives and doing dumb things for 60 minutes. <laughs> and, and and they do very, very dumb things. In fact, I'm checking the over-under. It's down at 38. Yeah. But that seems to be points off turnovers territory. I probably would still lean towards the under there, but it's going to be, it is going to be an ugly game. It was an ugly game last time. Yeah. And, you know, Mac Jones had six sacks in that game. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots are currently second against the pass, but 21st against the run. But the Jets' running game isn't as good since Brees Hall got hurt. Right. Uh, the Jets have a weakness against passes in the middle of the field, but Mac Jones has terrible numbers passing to the middle of the field this year. So some it just the, feels like a real defense. So some of the tape guys were really looking at sort of the design of the plays for the Patriots. And, you know, we've talked yeah. about the Matt Patricia factor and the Joe Judge factor, but like play action passes where nobody's actually trying to fake the run uh, <laughs> and, and other like basic mistakes like this plays on like third and four, third and five, where nobody's looking for the ball, like five or six. Yes, Orlovsky had a video yesterday where he was like, watch Mac Jones, take his drop, bang, bang, bang. He's ready to get the ball out. Nobody has turned around. Right. And I think mistakes like that are going to persist throughout the year for the New England Patriots. And then the flip side of that is the Jets is if Zach Wilson, if it's not completely schemed and structured up for him, anything can happen. Yeah. Do you have a thought about this one? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so for me, it's uh, I, I don't have a lot of trust in Mac Jones. I think that you you kind of went over that a little bit. For me, I, I do want to take the under here, right? Because the Jets have been so reliant on 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 a running game that is neither sustainable nor has Brees Hall, right? right. Um, I love I love James Robinson, but this is this is just not that. Um, so so for me, I wanted to take the under because I really do like the Patriots' defense a lot. I think that not a lot of people talk about it very often, um, and so. You know, what does it mean for the AFC East race? It's very bizarre to me, kind of the way that the AFC East has played out. I don't think a lot of people anticipated a lot of this. Um, but I, ultimately, the, the Jets, to me, with Wilson, are just um, 
or Flacco, right, are are not a, a particularly reliable team. And I, I just think that the way that you generate these wins, given like, you know, they've got a great depth of pass rush and stuff like that. Like, I understand where they're coming from. The way they, they generate these wins is just, it's entertaining football, but it is not, you know, something that, that, that makes me feel confident that they'll be able to do a lot. Right, which is the same way I feel about the Patriots, honestly. I mean, I do yeah. think it's a feather in Belichick's cap that they lost the guy who looked like he was their best defensive player, J.C. Jackson. J.C. Right. Jackson goes to another team and plays like garbage. Yeah, and the Patriots really defense loses nothing. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and Belichick has done this consistently all the way back to like Richard Seymour, right? Yeah, right. All the way back, right? You know, he'll, he'll lose like Chandler Jones and the defense somehow gets better, right? You know, he'll he'll lose uh, Brandon Merriweather and the defense gets, Asante Samuel and the defense gets better, right? It is wild how often they can they can shed a high-level defensive player and, uh, and come out on top. Malcolm Butler, another good example. Yeah, so offensively, this is just, you know, again, two quarterbacks who are going to be pressured and play badly. And it's that's one of the reasons why I would definitely take the Jets plus three and a half is because I feel like there is a anything could happen with the turnovers sort of feeling about this. You take the underdog when anything can happen with the turnover. Yeah, that makes sense to me. In this case, I take the team that has a history of mucking out and slopping out these wins over the last couple of years, especially. And that's the Patriots. So I would go that way. If I really felt the Jets, I would almost like tease down and get like six, seven points because it's like they're going. It'll be a chaos game, and they're going to they'll run away with it. But, <laughs> you know. But like if I if it's if it's down the middle, I think I'm gonna, I'm going to take the Patriots until the Jets show they can win a game like this, and the Patriots show that they lose games like this. Right. Again, well, lose win a game like this against the Patriots in particular, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. fair. Yeah, it's like 2011 or something crazy like that. Oh God. Yeah. There had to be like a win or two on like week 17 in there, but I didn't, I didn't go back. No, I think the last, I think the Patriots haven't lost to the Jets for something like six years. <laughs> okay. For heaven's sake. Yeah. You guys talk Vikings. I'm going to look that up. Okay. So we'll skip ahead to 4 PM and talk about Dallas at Minnesota because we wanted a refund because even though he does cover the whole league for pro football network, he kind of came up as a Vikings guy covering the Vikings, writing about the Vikings. And we've got to talk about wh- what's up with the Vikings, which is the team that our numbers despise, right? They are the worst 8-1 <laughs> yeah. and one team in DVOA history and have somehow won seven straight one-possession games and win them all in really weird ways. Like, they seem to, like, take Sorry. a lead, lose the lead, and then come back at the end and take the lead again in, like, every game. Um, so it's... What are we missing? And I know the first thing we're missing. The first thing we're missing is penalties because the Vikings yes. have a really good penalty differential. They're very low in penalties and very high in how many penalties have been call, called on their opponents. And that may be the reason for the difference between us and some of the other advanced metrics out there that have them like 13. But then it's a question of, like, what are we missing after? Like, what is going right other than Justin Jefferson? What what is how are the Vikings doing this? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are so many things at play. One thing that I think is potentially, you know, on the on the realm of sustainable that might explain how this consistently happens. They've got really good special teams. But on those special teams, a lot of things that are happening that you can't trust going forward. They had three turnovers in the fourth quarter on special teams. You can't. Like, right. sure. Okay. Yeah. They've got the best field position coming out of kickoffs in the NFL. They've got the best kickoff field position differential in the NFL. Right. 
that that to me is something that you can you can coach yeah. and, and our and numbers probably, actually don't like their special team. Well, that's probably because of Greg Joseph, right? I would imagine that's because of yes, Joseph has not been good this right. year, and also because if they've recovered fumbles, like we're counting all fumbles the same. So if they've right. got a really good fumble recovery record on special teams, like yeah. we're still like when Rieger fumbles, even when Rieger uh, recovers it, we're still penalizing them for that. And if the other team fumbles. Like if they recover it, we're still you're not, we're you're still not giving them the full kind of credit. credit yeah, it, yeah, right. and and that makes sense. And 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 the Vikings are like what third in special teams EPA, which would uh act, right because EPA just accounts the result, right? And so right. it doesn't care so whether Rieger picks up a fumble that you know that doesn't move the needle in EPA. When the Vikings recover a fumble, obviously that's a massive swing in EPA, right? Um, so I I, I would say that in terms of stuff like uh you know how good the kind of the field position units are right to kind of segregate out the, the field goal stuff, you know, they've been doing a pretty good job, but um, it, that is fine. But then you add on top of, you know, a blocked kick that turns into a possession or a forced fumble or a muffed punt, which are two different things, right? You know, those things have helped the Vikings out, especially in the fourth quarter when people are paying a little bit more attention to them um, that have allowed them to come back the, I mean, in the bills game, right. Which is one of the craziest games I think any of us have ever seen. Right. Um, the Bills should have won the game. And I don't mean that just because they like played better. I mean, they had the ball with the lead in the fourth quarter with 44 seconds left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like they should have yeah. won the game. And yeah. just the flukiest fumbled snap. And I know that Allen has had some kind of mistakes in the fourth quarter, but like the flukiest fumble snap at right. the goal line than you could possibly Which imagine. Defense has no role in. Defense has right. no role in causing a fumbled snap. Right, exactly. Right. And, and yeah, okay. The Vikings, um, so th that's either a safety or a touchdown. The Vikings recover it and it becomes a touchdown. If it's a safety, the Vikings still need to drive down the field for a field goal with 44 seconds. Well, probably a little bit less at that point, right? Yeah. With like 40 seconds left, right? Which, you know, the Vikings have been doing pretty well in final drives, but that is not something that you can say is a certainty or even a probability. So, um, I, enjoy watching this Vikings team. I think that very few people who don't hate the Vikings would disagree. This is a very fun team to watch. And the way that they've been pulling out wins has been very magical. But in terms of trying to project how the Vikings are moving forward, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, I don't necessarily trust. I don't think Kirk Cousins is playing as well as he has in past years. It's just we're giving him a lot of passes because of the win column, right? Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of it's frustrating to talk about because I know Kirk Cousins can play better, especially in the second and third quarter. I know that he does a better job of getting the ball out into accurate places that, you know, produce yards after the catch to avoid contested catches. Another another good example from the Bills game. Uh, there were nine contested catch opportunities for Justin Jefferson. He came down with seven of them. That wow. is fantastic. I love seeing it. That's great football. One of the best catches we've ever seen. It, another catch that we're never going to remember that, you know, was, was phenomenal near the end zone. You know, yeah. he had a great game and a lot of those catches did not need to be contested. Cousins threw them in bad locations and Justin mm -hmm. Jefferson saved them. That makes for great viewing. Absolutely phenomenal viewing. It also makes you wonder what is the quarterback doing here? And again, <laughs> tough conversation, right? Because the, the Minneapolis miracle case Keenum, that's a bad throw. It was mm -hmm. a bad throw. And it looks great because of what Stefan Diggs is able to do with it. Same thing here with Justin Jefferson, right? So it is it is very difficult for me to say that this team is going to continue to do this stuff going forward. But I said this four wins ago, and now I'm getting hammered 
for saying this after, you know, right? right. And, and, and here's what's a little wild, is that if we think about what we knew about the Vikings going into the season, I feel like they actually should be a little better than this. Like, their advanced numbers, as we, we projected that they would be a better team than this when it came to their actual underlying numbers. Because like you said, Cousins is not playing as well as he has in the past. So, like, I could totally see a situation where the Vikings are actually a little bit better the rest of the year. And then people are going to be like, see, we told you the Vikings were really good. And it's like, no, but they're actually just playing better than they were before. So they deserve these <laughs> very frustrating than they did early on. It's really <laughs> weird. And it, in the way that this year has been with so many close games, it's almost like makes total sense that there would be a team like this. Oh, yeah. Like 100%. it's almost ridiculous that there isn't a team that's the opposite. Like there should also be a team that's two and seven with tons of close losses because this game, because there's so much parody this year and so many close games that why wouldn't there be an average team that's eight and one and one that's one and eight, but there, <laughs> but there's only the, there's two of the former, the Vikings right. and the giants, and there really right. aren't any of the latter. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a very kind of bizarre uh, kind of setup, right? Um, it's just, it's just so, it's so weird because like a lot of average teams are doing really well. Um, and then there are a bunch of mediocre teams that are just, they're doing work. Their record is worse than, than who they are as a football team. There's a bunch of those teams and that's kind of where this is playing out, which is, which is very annoying because it's so easy when you explain this to point to a counterpart to say, Hey, here's the, the kind of mirror version of this. Right. Um, and, uh, and without that explanation, it becomes very difficult to just be like, well, you know, uh, the Titans are punching a little bit above their weight and, you know, that counts as one thing. And, and you know the 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 Jets are punching you know wherever they're punching, but maybe a little the bit. Jaguars' you know, numbers are a little bit Jaguars, better than their record. Right, exactly. The Jaguars are not anywhere near to the extent that the Vikings are. They're not the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so it, it it does become like a very like the Raiders are maybe a, a decent. They're not a good team. They're a bad team, but they're probably better than a two win team. And that's yeah. like what you have to point to, right? <laughs> like right. that's. And so it, it is it is a difficult discussion. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of what makes the sport what it is, right? Like it's, it's not like, you know, you have 160 games and you play it out, right. Or it's not like you've got a series in the playoffs, right. So it's, it's just going to have to live in these very kind of, especially for the analytically minded, uncomfortable zones where you've got yeah. these kind of splash moments. Right. And, and you're, you're a playoff team. You're a playoff team at this point. Yeah. Like the Vikings are a playoff team. So they're this, they're that it doesn't really play out until January. Well, and and that, and that's what makes this like uh, such an annoying conversation to have because I'm not saying fans shouldn't be happy. They right. should be overjoyed. Like, of course they should be happy. Mm -hmm. This is fantastic. Not only are the Vikings playing fun football, they're winning. That's the point. Go have fun. They're a playoff team. They're in contention for the number one seed against all odds. That's that's super cool, right? right. But if you're asking me how they're going to do going forward, that's a different conversation and a different question than should I be happy with this team? Yeah, you should be happy with the team. But like, should they should are we going to project them to do well going forward? I don't know. Although the thing is, there's so much parity this year. If right, ever there was a year where the 17th best team was going to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> this is it. Right, right. Right. Like, I mean, it's not ridiculous. Like the idea that the Vikings go. I don't so they're eight and one now, which means they have four games. So let's say they go four and four the rest of the way. So they finish 12 and five and then they go on a run in the playoffs. Is that is that out right. of the realm of possibility? Not 
at all. Right. It, it should go like four and four the rest of the way. And if they're 12 and five, they're going to have a home game to start with. And there's been teams like the Giants in the playoffs, teams like the Seahawks will probably be ready to fade as well in the playoffs. Right. They get wins against them. They go up against the Eagles, and the Eagles decide they don't want to defend the run anymore, and they pound them with Dalvin Cook. That could be a, that could be, that's your right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. ridiculous at all. Yeah, right. there's 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 one definitively better team than them that they might face in the playoffs, and uh, you know the Vikings have already demonstrated the ability to beat a team that is definitively better than them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know just another fluke game like that happens. If you only need one fluke game in the playoffs to make it into the Super Bowl, you're in a really good spot just in terms of what your playoff schedule looks like. Well, that makes this week really interesting because as far as our numbers go, Dallas is definitely clearly better than Minnesota. But as far as wins and losses go, they're not. I mean, right? They're six and three as opposed to eight and one. So here they are now going into Minnesota. Minnesota has the home field advantage in this game. Um, There's sort of questions a little bit, you know, there's always questions about Dallas. I think everybody feels like they're sort of morally weak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Right? Yes, I, I mean, people feel like have this just have this feeling that McCarthy and Prescott are going to blow it at the most inopportune times and losing to Green Bay last week did not help that with that feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. But overall, this team has been really good this year. Uh, even when Cooper Rush was the quarterback, and they've been better since Prescott came back. Yeah, and and it's 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 difficult because Prescott, I think, in terms of a complete games, he's had like one good complete game this year, right? right. Um, but we know who he is as a quarterback historically. He's a very good quarterback, right. and so am I going to hold the half game before he got injured against him, where he was playing pretty poorly for about two quarters? Am I going to hold the first game back against the Lions against him? You know, am I going to hold the two quarters that he played poorly against Green Bay? And honestly, like outside of, and it sounds so dumb to say it like this, outside of the picks, right? <laughs> you know, he was actually I, playing pretty well. I will point out, you just sort of lie on him vetoed like 37% of his season at this yeah. point. So, so right. I mean, I went, I'm willing to write off week one, but as far right. as I'm concerned, everything since he came back counts. I think, sure. I think if Prescott is If we count every high, throw, yeah. He's but everything since he came back, they, they would be 10th on offense. If we only count the three games since he came back, we, yeah, that's which makes sense. That's yeah, good. and and I I good. think that'll I think that they'll be better going forward, given Dak Prescott's historical capabilities, right? Um, so I, I do think that you know, hey, they've got like a top three. Well, I don't know what Football Outsider says about Dallas's defense, but to me, it's a top three defense, right? Um, it has faded a little bit over the past, but you know, it's, yeah, it's we have them as a top three defense and they're like the best pass rush in the league, right? Right, now. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what what Michael Parsons and Dorrance Armstrong and you know, Demarcus Lawrence, who I don't know if he'll be ready for the game. Um, plus the rookie Sam Williams, what they've been able to do has been really phenomenal from a pass rush perspective. The, they were able to shore up just a tiny bit in run defense with Jonathan Hankins. That's still going to be a big issue for them no matter what. But that pass rush is really phenomenal. And, uh, and you know, the Vikings have a really great pair of tackles. They Arguably, you know, right now they're, they're playing the best uh, football for tackles uh, in, in the NFL. But that interior is really worrisome. And Dallas is not shy about putting some players on the interior if they also, really need to. What is Darasaw's current uh, situation? Because he's concussion protocol, the left yeah, he's tackle, Christian Darasaw. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that is that is certainly a concern. Um, I don't know where he is on the concussion protocol. The injury report's going to come out pretty soon. Um, Blake Brandall, who played in his stead, played pretty well. Obviously, it's going to be an enormous downgrade 
if, yeah. uh, I'll, if I'll point out that uh, I, I just wrote a thing for ESPN about the best second-year players, and by ESPN's blocking rates, Darasaw is not having the greatest season, but Pro Football Focus has him as the number one left tackle in the league, so he's a so loss. I bought why he's he is playing well. Yeah. Um, so uh, I I would argue that potentially one difference between um, you know, tracking data in terms of pass block and run block win rate, which I think at pass block win rate, he's still doing fine. I think it's kind of the run block win rate stuff that he, that he's, that he's losing. Uh, I may have that out of order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, in, in, in either respect, I think that one of the reasons it looks a little bit different is because, and why PFF would have him so high is because of the types of responsibilities that they're giving him. You take a look at the line splits, right? Um, You've got you've got four players that are like lined up in the traditional six inches from each other line splits. And you've got Darius, I was like a foot away. Um, they're like they're putting them on actual islands in like the most extreme capacities than you can imagine. Um, they're not giving him. It's not just that they're not giving him like double team or chip help, which they're not, um, but they're having him play in a way that prevents outside rushes and puts a punch of pressure on him on inside rushes so that they can help out those guards and centers, right? And so um, it, it puts a lot of stress on what he does. And I think within the context of what he's being asked to do and how he plays, he's doing a really phenomenal job, which I think, you know, PFF tends to account for context like that. Uh, and so, which is one reason that is, he's number one in PFF right now, I think. Um, yeah. One reason is great is so high. Um, so I think that's part of it. And it enables the offense to do a lot of things like put more receivers into uh, timing oriented passing routes without having to chip and stuff like that. Um, it creates some kind of interesting routes up the middle because you've got that giant gap there. Um, you know, it, it allows the offense to do some things that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Plus, you know, in terms of like blitz pickup, um, you know, that you you just have, you know, you want assignment, you know, dare say you got one guy, right? And the blitz pickup, they, they slide the rest of it. So um, there are some opportunities there, right? Um, that interior does worry me. And I think that Dallas is is more than willing to say, hey, Sam Williams, kick inside, right? You're you're doing right. a great job 15 seconds. Or have Micah line up as an inside linebacker and then rush from there. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so so that's that's a problem. And I think that that's going to create um, a lot of opportunities for players like Trevon Diggs, who's playing less gambly, I think, as a corner, and I think it's working out for him, um, even if you're not getting a, kind of the highlight picks. Um, and so long as the Vikings um, don't overexploit like the Anthony Brown Justin Jefferson matchup that they might be able to manufacture, you know, it'll it'll be hard to move the ball um, against Dallas. Um, and so I think that that's going to be the key there because if Dak Prescott gets in rhythm and the Vikings are basically just an average offense. Um, then, then I think that I mean this is the reason the Cowboys are like favored. They're like, uh, there's some crazy statistic about the you know about a home team with this record uh, being a home underdog for the first time in like since the 70s or something crazy yeah. like that. Um, and and this is why, right? Because people trust that Dak Prescott's at least a very good quarterback, right? And that that Dallas defense is phenomenal. The Vikings defense is a sieve, except in certain key fourth quarter moments. <laughs> yeah. um, well, here's, and, here's a crazy one. The Vikings, by DVOA, have the worst red zone defense. Yeah. And yet, what was one of the highlights of that game last week? Red zone interception. Red zone interceptions. <laughs> because the Bills refused to, like, hand off once in a while occasionally. Well, also, Singletary was wide open on the right side. Like, he could have thrown the ball away. He could have thrown the ball to Singletary. Like, right. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a baffling series of picks. Um, Bill Houston wants to know, Arif, if you can answer the eternal Vikings question, is Kirk Cousins good? Go. 
So, okay, so normally I would answer this by saying that, you know, from quarters one to three, Kirk Cousins is a really great quarterback. I think if you gave every quarterback a good supporting cast and evaluated Kirk Cousins against that group, he would be uh, probably a top seven, maybe even a top five quarterback on standard situations and standard downs. And his issue was that he he does a very poor job improvising and he does a very poor job uh, with situational football, which to me normally is noise. For Kirk Cousins, it, it hasn't been because he plays the same type of football in two-minute situations as he does in, you know, second quarter, first drive, the second quarter type situations, right? Yeah. Um, now Kirk Cousins is a little bit weird because he is not playing that situational football as well, or, or he's not playing the normal standard downs as well, but he has adapted in terms of situational football. He no longer throws it like with the 40 seconds left in one timeout to the middle of the field when you're driving for a touchdown, right? Which has been <laughs> one of the most infuriating things that he does, right? Mm. He no longer does that. He plays two-minute football like you're supposed to play two-minute football. He takes chances. These chances are working out. You know, typically the reason that you're high risk, high reward um, is because the the downside to, to throwing a bad throw is a loss and you're already losing. So you might as well take the better throw, right? Which is Which is how Peyton Manning and uh, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and to some extent Tom Brady play those end of game situations because they know those end of game picks are like the same as like a completion over the middle right but the end of game throw that you get to get that pick is is generally worth it which is why they have so many interceptions in those scenarios but a better win rate um, now Cousins has been doing that more he's been improvising a little bit more he's uh, done a better job extending the pocket and running the ball of all things things that he is just not good at he is doing more often and it's something i have and a lot of people have just wanted from him to stop being kind of a robot paid by numbers quarterback and as he has done that and as he has improved at that he has gotten worse at all the other things that he is known for <laughs> Uh, and so it's very hard. It's always hard to answer this question. Now it's very hard to answer this question because if he can combine these things, he's legitimately just a very good quarterback, right? If he can play standard football like he has for the past three years, and if he can play improvisational football like he has this season, he's just good, right? He is he is right. exactly what you want out of a quarterback. Um, but right now, I would argue, you want him more than most of the starters in the league. Yeah. But that does not mean you want him in the playoffs. Um, that's that's kind of my answer. Kirk Cousins is better than most starting quarterbacks, and that is not good enough. I uh, a couple of weeks ago, on third and inches, I saw him complete a pass that did not net the first down yardage, and I think we reached absolute throw in front of the sticks. Kirk Cousins apotheosis. There was no place to go but a one inch pass on third and two inches. And since then I have seen him take a few more shots downfield yeah. that that thing I always used to joke about, Oh, it's first and 20 after a holding penalty. You might as well punt. Now that has been like the Vikings tradition for many years, mm -hmm. especially against the bills the last couple of weeks. Like, no, it's that they're going to try to get down the field and convert a first down in this drive. And they're getting a little more success at that. I'll also point out, cause we're talking about the Vikings in the fourth quarter and cousins in the fourth quarter and the Vikings having leads early in the room. The Dallas offense is 23rd on offense in the first half of games and third in the second half. The Vikings are seventh in the first half and 28th in the second half. If I bet if you eliminated the first drive, the Vikings would be dead last. The Vikings, first drive, <laughs> Vikings first drives are amazing. They're incredible. They're, they're, they're in this clinic. Yeah, their their touchdown rate is not just the best in the league. It's the best the league has seen in, like, years. Yeah, <laughs> on the first drive. drive. On the first drive. Beautifully balanced drives. They absolutely are. But they seem to get everybody involved. And it's like, wow, this is a textbook. Then they disappear for, like, 45 minutes. 
Yeah, and then at the end, all of a sudden they're playing again, and then they come out and they win by three points. Right. Yeah. It it is it's very exciting football to watch. But if you uh, <laughs> so, if, if you're trying to figure out if this team is good, it's very frustrating. U- useful title thinks of Kirk Cousins as the NFC version of David Carr, and I'm assuming he means Derek Carr. I, yeah, I assume because Kirk Cousins is not shell shocked yeah, yeah. by by, by, by bad nine thousand sacks. Yeah, uh, um, I I get it. Um, Derek Carr. Their car has a higher ceiling, um, and and he is less likely to use it than Kirk Cousins. Um, but in terms of uh, playing well from down to down and standard play, and then kind of tightening up in in critical moments, I get where this is coming from. But like Derek Carr's is is I think substantially worse. Yeah, and this year in particular, this year, yeah, this, well, this year, year in particular, Derek yeah. Carr, who does who's like robotically running three different offenses and none of them are. So uh, the, the line is Cowboys by one and a half and uh, with an over-under of 47 and a half. I'll what do take, you guys think? I'll take those Cowboys, but now I'm seeing the first quarter spread, Vikings plus one, and reminder about how good those drives are. The attempting first quarter play there to just take the Vikings, get yeah. that. The over-under is also nine, so it's like, oh, you get a Vikings touchdown, then you get like any other points. Uh, but otherwise, for the game, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Trust in that front four. Trust in that offense, like you said, has been gotten better and is getting better over the last couple of games with a healthy back Prescott. Yeah, to me, I would I would take the Cowboys here. Um, every CD Lamb drop in that situation is going to cause me pain, <laughs> but I am I'm going to take the Cowboys here. Um, I think that the fundamentals of the Cowboys are stronger, which is why they're favored on the road anyway. Um, but I think that here. Vegas knows that people want to want to bet. The, and so the, I think the line here is artificially, I shouldn't say artificially, but it's depressed over what the models would tell you, yeah. you know, uh, the Cowboys yeah. would perform in this situation. So I would take the Cowboys here. Yeah. I also believe in the Cowboys, although I'm just waiting for Mike McCarthy to make some kind of ridiculously dumb decision in the fourth quarter with the lead of three, uh, which will make me throw a brick through my television and then beautiful coaching. Like- I'm not worried about Jefferson versus Brown. I'm worried about Jefferson versus that poor lad who was covering Christian Watson, uh, oh, Bland, Bobby Blue Bland, oh. or whoever that young man was. Yeah. Oh. That could be a nightmare. But otherwise, but I'm comfortable that he's. We're not going to see as much of him this week. Yeah. All right. Let's zip through a couple more of the big games. Although that is the two biggest games this week, no question. The Cowboys Vikings game and the Jets Patriots game. Uh, Eagles at Colts. Eagles favored by six and a half with this colossal gap in our DVOA ratings where Philadelphia is second and Indianapolis is 31st, except that the Eagles are currently first against the pass and 28th against the run and even worse since Jordan Davis got hurt. Can the Colts with their offensive line kind of sucking this year, like actually run on the Eagles? Yes, they can. (laughs) And we have evidence that that the Texans could run on the Eagles. And it's very simple. And, and Washington to a degree. And Washington did not run the ball efficiently. They just created these situations where, hey, it's third and two. You cannot uh, force Heineke to make turnovers and mistakes on third and two because we can keep the whole playbook open. I'll just give you some of the numbers on the Eagles rushing defense. First down rushing defense. 24th in DVOA, averaging 4.7 yards per carry allowed. Second down, averaging 4.7 yards per carry allowed. 21st in DVOA. Third and fourth down, 5.2 yards allowed. So that's 28th in DVOA. Red zone rushing defense, allowing 3.5 yards 
per carry. That's a ton of yardage in the red zone, folks. That is 27th in DVOA. Stuff rate, how often do they stuff opposing running backs? Eagles only stuff opposing running backs 14% of the time. That's 28th in the NFL. What about short yardage success, power success at Football Outsiders? 86% of short yardage runs are converted to first downs against the Eagles. That's, I believe, dead last overall. Yeah, That is a formula for letting weaker teams that can only do one thing, which is like, like just thump it off tackle, letting those teams stay in the game, and if you make a mistake, lose the game. Yeah, um, I you we're all forgetting that the Eagles just signed Linval Joseph. Um, so yeah, that's it's not, 20, not 2016 anymore, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not him anymore. Look what you mean. Um, I okay, so obviously, so Linval Joseph is not you know who he was or anything like that. I think what this does though is it helps um allow them to move Javon Hargrave around. I think that that's actually going to be the bigger benefit to that. Um, because Milton Williams, who is a really phenomenal pass rusher. Is just not a run defender, period. Um, and really. yeah, and Same so hard. yeah, so you know, I think that that's gonna play some role, but yeah, I don't, it to me, I think I don't know how much of this is like kind of motivated by how much people have like bought into Jeff Saturday, but I, there's it, one thing to, to you know, be a new head coach coaching against the Raiders, I think it's another yeah. thing to be, you know, taking on this like really complex Eagles offense. Um, I, I, I am still worried about kind of what what the what the Jeff Saturday um, leadership kind of situation is going to mean for the Colts. So yeah, I mean, and okay, against the Raiders, the Colts offensive line actually looked all right, especially running the ball. I'm I don't trust that at all. There's no way Jeff Saturday individually coached all five of those offensive yeah, linemen. Yeah, so the Raiders have one line. defensive line. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, there's no way I'm trusting that. And the passing game plan was so rudimentary. It was basically Matt Ryan run out there, run the little shallow cross slant a couple of times, and Paris Campbell winds up getting 30 yards of pop at it because nobody in the secondary can tackle. This was not like a real, oh, wow, we put innovations into this game plan situation. Right. You know? Yeah, so, you know, I, I I expect, like, Darius Slay and C.J. Gardner-Johnson to do, uh, do a pretty decent job clamping down on, on what can be done in the confines of this, like, really limited Colts offense and i know that they're going to run the ball a lot you know i know that that's kind of what they want to do especially with saturday there and i know that's something that they 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 feel like they can be good at with jonathan taylor but i just i don't think that that's going to be enough to keep up with the eagles offensively who when they run the ball are gaining expected points right? <laughs> also yeah colt's defense colt's defense by the way is 29th against wide receiver ones and 30th in allowing yards after the catch. And what do the Eagles have? A wide receiver one who gets tons of yards after the catch. So good luck stopping A.J. Brown, Indianapolis. Although the yeah. Eagles will be without Dallas Goddard, which has been a big part of their yak game as well. That's true. That's true. Yeah. They are without Goddard this week. Yeah. Uh, for the next four weeks, in fact. Next four weeks at least. So we're waiting on Tyree Jackson, the former quarterback of uh, Buffalo, University of Buffalo, to come back and play tight end because he looked Ooh. good in practices a few weeks ago he did, he did yeah. a few years ago <laughs> right. he did yeah. look good by the way in those practices but that's a bit of a stretch i saw a thing that the replacement for goddard is probably calcitera rather than jack Stoll. yeah it will be calcitera that yes. makes sense so i would i would go with the eagles minus six and a half here i'll take the eagles and give the colts the points i'll lay the points too yeah i'm taking the eagles minus six uh another important 1 p.m game you know for one of the teams at least is the Lions at the Giants. I know you're like, oh, God, but here's the funny thing. 
by DVOA, these teams are basically equivalent. Yeah, yeah. They're right next to each other. The offenses are 13th and 15th. Mm -hmm. The defenses are 26th and 24th. The special teams are 19th and 16th. And they're both teams that can kind of run the ball pretty well. Yeah. And that's sort of like their calling card. By record, by, right, and the passing games have been better than you expect this year. Based right. on those quarterbacks, you don't expect Goff and Jones to be doing as well as they are, but they are, and the defenses are bad, and there should be lots of points in this game. I like going over. It's 45 and a half. Okay. Um, here's, here's some interesting splits. The Giants are dead last against passes in the middle. Right. And Goff is Third in the league on passes in the middle of the field. Really? But how much of that was when Hawkinson was there? I wonder. That's the problem. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Because yeah. when I see them, there's there's a lot of external passing and there's a lot of setup screen. But a lot of that is Amon Ross St. Brown, too. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, he can exploit the middle of that field. This this is like the game where I okay, Dan Campbell's one, two straight. If there's anything to this guy that's substantial besides he should you know, win this. He should win yeah. this one. This is a team that you have actually probably have more talent than the other team. This is the team that's kind of had your lunch all year because like, oh, we, we changed the culture and like now we're winning, even though we have nobody. Win this game for me, Dan Campbell, and let's see what you got. Yeah, I think from a matchup perspective, I think a lot of things end up favoring the Lions. Like obviously all of that goes away when you think that, hey, Daniel Jones has played pretty well the past couple of weeks. He's a better quarterback than Jared Goff, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you just you want you want to put an asterisk on that, maybe, right? Yeah. Um, but uh all of the other individual matchups I think favor the Lions. Like I think certainly in the trenches outside of Andrew Thomas, you know, that's somebody that's something where you where you think that the Lions are are probably, you know, gaining a pretty big advantage. I think that, you know, the 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 Giants have one receiver and the Lions have one cornerback. I think that's good. Right. I think that's good for the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that they're probably fine in that situation. And when you've got like an offense that like runs through your eight tight ends, I mean, there's just a cap to what you can do. There's just, there's just so much. I mean, like, I know that, you know, that both teams want to run the ball a lot, um, which is going to make for some, some, some pretty good football for a certain type of football fan. Yeah. And it's going to be tough to watch otherwise. Um, but, you know, the Saquon Barkley is, is fun to watch, but I think that the lions, if they're a bad defense, no matter what, but I think if there's one area that you'd kind of rather have the lions, it would be, you know, taking the, uh, the the Lions running offense against somebody else's running offense going against that Lions running defense. I mean, they've built themselves to to try and find ways to stop that run. Again, not a great run defense, but I think that the way that the Lions have found ways to be explosive in the run has allowed them to be able to keep pace with any team that, you know, tries to keep pace with them in the running game. So um, I I do like the Lions here. It's a difficult sentence to, to <laughs> put out there, but I yeah, do like the Lions. Lions plus three. So you're getting yeah. three points if you pick the Lions. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, I've already, I already put down on, on, uh, on Lions plus three where I could. So, um, you know, th this is, a, this is an area where I don't want to get burned by the fact that there is probably a difference in quality at quarterback and coach, uh, yeah. which are some pretty important differences to, to have. But I think that, you know, matchup by matchup, I think the Lions are actually in a really good spot. Matchup by matchup, I agree. I worry about the coaching situation. I'm not quite sure about Daniel Jones versus Jared Goff, and I don't want to think about it. Do have a prop, though, from DraftKings. Here's a prop. Saquon Barkley, 100-plus rushing yards and one or more rushing touchdown, plus 180. Plus 180? Plus 180 for that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Right. 
No, oh, Amon Ross St. Brown or somebody like that doesn't have to do anything. I had a problem last week because I had Bernard Pierce on the other side of one of those, and they stopped him at like 94 yards. Just sick, man. <laughs> Just sick. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. I was I was displeased. It's tilting, Absolutely. yeah. Uh, just Saquon. I, I like that one at plus 180. All right. I'm going to skip forward and let's just do the last game of Sunday and talk about the Chiefs and the Chargers. I got to see what we just skipped. Go on. We skipped the Steelers and Bengals. Oh, thank God. Fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, Joe Burrow is good and TJ Watt is back. And so that's interesting. And it's a division game. And so that's interesting. And, but the Chiefs and Chargers is the game that's going national at eight o'clock. That's what everybody's going to watch. Um, big difference in DVOA here. Kansas City 5, Chargers 24. Before the season, I actually liked the Chargers to win the division, and then everybody got hurt except for Justin Herbert. Um, the Chiefs are really – are the Chiefs are dead last against wide receiver ones. I don't know. Who's the wide receiver one for the Chargers? Is Keenan Allen going to play? Is Mike Williams going to play? Is it Palmer? Like, I mean, <laughs> that's Palmer. not yeah, it's a meaningless – it's like a meaningless stat, given the way that the charges are right now. Right. Um, interesting. I wrote down the charges are 12th against the pass, but 29th against the run. Mm -hmm. But the Chiefs are second passing and 20th running. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is basically dead. But do we? Does, does anyone? I, I just say, does anyone miss him? <laughs> right. right. So, so I wonder: Will the Chiefs like try to run with Pacheco and yes. McKinnon, or are they just yes. going to be like, "Look, it doesn't matter what your pass defense is. We have Patrick Mahomes. We're just going <laughs> to." I I feel like they are going to like not balanced, but Andy Reid balanced, which means they are going to run somewhat. And they've had a history of being of being comfortable with McKinnon, South Jersey's own Pacheco. You know, they've been relying on him quite a bit as well. So I, I think they're going to play their game. I just, watching the, the Chargers lately, I have no concept of how they're going to score enough points to make this even remotely. Yeah, I'm that so disappointed in them. And that offense is just, see, I mean, I realize part of it is because of the receivers and who they have left, but it seems like such a misuse of Justin Herbert's talents. So much short stuff and not deep stuff. I mean, I realize the deep receiver is DeAndre Carter, but still, like that's rough. <laughs> that's rough. Your deep receiver is a knockaround kick return guy. Yeah, your especially guys. Okay, Palmer's a decent player, but that should be your number three in an ideal yeah. world. The the tight ends. I mean, I'm not a Gerald Everett fan in general. We just don't see much of them, and everything they try to do is a trips screen concept of some kind offensively. Because they've got what three rookies on the offensive line now, two rookies in the. Yeah, and like practice squad. I don't know if the practice squad kid is a rookie or a second or a third year, but although again, the the rookie playing left tackle is actually having a really good season. He is yeah. uh, uh, sailor. The thing is, part of what they're doing is protecting these linemen with all that 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 screen action. By the way, I did just check a quick injury report for the receiving core of the uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs. Juju Smith did not practice concussion pro protocol. Miko did not practice abdomen. Uh, MVS is back after illness, so I don't know what the situation is there. We'll see Kadarius Tony, I think. Uh, yeah, it, it almost doesn't matter what the situation is there because they just find a way to use whoever they have available, and they just keep on adding whoever is available, right? <laughs> like they yeah, just and much more than the Chargers. I, I, I believe in MVS and Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore more than I believe in Palmer and DeAndre Carter and Jason Moore. The, the state of affairs to put Sky more in a list of receivers that you trust more 
that's just rough for the Chargers. That's yeah. yeah. Jason, I mean, Michael Bandy and Jason Moore, you know, if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams still can't play, that's their three and four. Do that's, you know who those people are? No, you don't. Nobody. It's rough. That's <laughs> a bad place to be. Um, and I mean, like the Chargers historically have gotten a bunch out of like, you know, random wide receiver fives that turn into guys that earn a second contract. Um, but I, I think we're probably nearing the end of that. Um, yes, Justin yeah. Watson, Bill Houston points out, Justin Watson, I did not mention for the Chiefs, and he is the guy who got a lot of snaps yes, when Juju yeah. got hurt last week. A lot yeah. of distrust I, of Sky Moore. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, like which, yeah. Remember the preseason when people thought Sky Moore was going to be a really big oh, yeah. deal? His, his yeah. um, he looked great coming out of school. I liked him. I think Derek liked him a lot. Uh, but you're coming out of the MAC. You know, and you're coming into the situation, and I think I think people were just I think the fantasy community was like, oh, there's got to be a wide receiver one, Sky Moore. Let's let's go with that guy because it, it, there wasn't a lot coming out of uh, out of uh, Kansas City to suggest, oh yeah, he's really taking on this role. Um, I'll point out by the way, the same thing I pointed out last time the Chiefs and Chargers played. Like I realized that we have this history of Derwin James kind of shutting down Travis Kelsey, sort of, but the Chargers for the season are not good against tight ends. Hmm. So unless they do that, right? Kelsey's going to have a day. Like if they yeah. try to cover him in any other way other than Derwin James is going to shut you down, like the rest of that defense cannot cover him. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, it's always really tough when you've got like these really small samples of like X player is really good against Y yeah. player. Um, and, you know, because sometimes there is something to it, right? Like sometimes, you know, there's this pass rusher just has this offensive tackle. That's just it, right? Um, but it is, it is tough to figure out how much of that is noise and how much of that is like a genuine, just kind of a matchup problem. And I think in this situation, um, when you've got such uh, two highly talented players, but one gets the benefit of one of the best offensive designers in football and the best quarterback in football, I just, I kind of want to just say that that's more likely noise in the fact that in previous matchups, there were just other people to throw the ball to. Right. <laughs> it's right. like, well, I don't, I don't need to test Derwin James. I've got like J.C. Jackson against Tyree Kill or whatever. I guess not that specific <laughs> yeah. one, but you know, J.C. Jackson against uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I guess. In the first, right? And it's like, well, okay, I'll just do that. Why would I? Why would I even take this risk? Right? Right. Um, and 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 so when it comes to the situation where that that matchup out of necessity becomes tested, then I think that um that's when maybe those samples will will matter but until we get to that point you know we're not we're not getting a ton so um i would you know i think that the chiefs are are happy to try and and test that out and see what happens there um because you know they can they can use travis kelsey in so many different ways it's really difficult for even the most versatile safety in the nfl like derwin james to be able to kind of keep up with all of those things so um that that one doesn't bother me that much and especially given their history against tight ends if you like that, Travis Kelsey, 100 plus receiving yards, and my neighbor Isaiah Pacheco with one plus rushing touchdown, plus 330. So 100 plus receiving yards for Kelsey, which is a pretty high uh, ask there, and yeah. a rushing touchdown for Pacheco, plus 330 though. I I don't think the rushing touchdown for Pacheco is likely enough to make that worthwhile. Okay, okay. I I understand that. Um, I like Pacheco a lot, but that that one it's tough, right? To to, to figure out where the rushing touchdowns for the Chiefs come from on a team where they were going to run the T formation and all this other stuff at the right. Goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, useful title points out that Sky Moore had a cool name, so people wanted him to be good. This is known as Barkevius <laughs> Mingo syndrome. <laughs> oh my God, Barkevius! We wanted so much for Barkevius Mingo to be good, 
yeah. So yeah. That we could this just shape Archivius Mingo over and over again. This is this is why the 49ers underrated Jeff Wilson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right. Uh Mike, you have one more play of the week about a game we didn't cover before we wrap up. Yes, I am struggling. I am struggling at minus 300. Thank you, Buffalo Bills. You keep handing me losses along the way, and I I don't know what to say about that, except that that stinks. Very simple play this week. Chicago Bears money line plus 135. Okay, we didn't get to talk about Justin Fields. I'm sure it's like Justin Fields week around the world here. <laughs> I, just, I just think that, that from a pure talent standpoint, that's going to be enough to overtake a Falcons team that is crashing back to earth. Now, I know I'm disobeying my don't bet on a Falcons game rule, but we're going <laughs> to it's, it's desperate time. I'm minus 300 right now. It's desperate times. Justin Fields, straight money line, Chicago Bears, plus 135. So you heard, we like we like the Lions this week. We like the Eagles. We like the Cowboys. We like Bears money line, plus 135. That's yes. Mike's play of the week. All right, folks. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the show. Thank you to Arif Hassan for joining us again. Pro Football Network is where you can find Arif's work now. Uh, so go check that out. And also he's on Twitter. It's just at Arif Hassan, right? At Arif Hassan NFL. Uh, at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. Thank you, Mike, as always. So uh, yeah, tomorrow the Cakes show at 1 p.m. with Kale and Jackson. And then next week we will have shows on Monday and Tuesday, but no shows Wednesday through Friday. So this show will not be here next week so that we can have Many turkeys. <laughs> Between the three of us, we have an average amount of turkeys. Yes. All right. So nothing live. Nothing. There's a. Uh, there'll be a video next Friday, but I don't think there'll be anything live next Friday, and nothing live next Wednesday and Thursday. All right, folks. Everybody, enjoy Green Bay, Tennessee tonight. Enjoy the weekend, and we will talk to you uh, not next week. Although Mike will be Monday next week, and I'll Monday, be yeah, you'll find me Monday. You also find me tonight at the uh, at the uh, Discord. Fo Discord, come talk to us on the Fo Discord during the game below. Yeah. And for people asking for fantasy advice, the Fo Discord Fantasy Channel is the place to go for fantasy advice. So check out the Discord link below us on YouTube. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Talk to you later. <laughs>